coming up. My gut says it was somebody she knew, maybe two people she knew, and I think the person thought, if I can't have her, nobody will. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Twenty-seven years ago this month, an up-and-coming news anchor in North Iowa disappeared. And tonight, there are still no answers about what happened to Jody Hoosentrout. On the morning of June 27, 1995, 27-year-old Jody Hoosentrout told a co-worker over the phone that she was running late for her shift as a news anchor in Mason City, Iowa. She only lived about a mile from the station, but when it came time for Jody to go on air, she still hadn't shown up. When Jody didn't show up to work one morning at KIMT in Mason City, her coworker called and woke her up. But she still didn't show, and Amy Coons called her again, except this time there was no answer. Amy would be the last person to talk to Jody, even breaking the news of her disappearance on TV. Since then, she has largely stayed quiet about what happened, but sat down with our Jennifer Hoff for an exclusive interview to share her story. Jennifer Hoff is a reporter with CARE 11 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jennifer, thanks for joining us once again. Hi, Reed. Thank you for having me. You recently sat down to speak with the last person who ever talked to 27-year-old Jody Hoosenschrute before she disappeared. Take us back to 1995 when Jody went missing. Yeah, this is a case that has really stuck with people over the years, uh, June is the month when she disappeared 27 years ago. And so this has really just um, boggled the minds of people who not only are from Mason City, where Jody was a news anchor, but of course, this has really um, struck the chord of people who live all across the country. Um, she was a morning news anchor at the TV station there in Mason City and just one day disappeared. And um, Amy, who we'll talk about, was um, the last person to talk to her. And Jody had been been late to work, as you can imagine. The morning show is a shift that is um, can, be, can be tough for people in the TV industry. And um, Amy had, had called her because she was late to work. And, um, and from there, things just kind of spiraled. What does the rest of that day look like for this coworker, Amy Coons, as she grows more and more concerned and more and more convinced that something, not necessarily an abduction, but something has happened to Jody? Well, I can tell you from an investigative standpoint, um, Amy knew that something was wrong because she had talked to Jody, who had first answered the phone and admitted that she was running late. And when she still didn't show up, Amy called again. And there was no more answering of the phone. Um, so Amy had to kind of scramble and get, get the news on. I knew something wasn't right when I went on the air at 6. The police were eventually called to her apartment complex, which is still standing there. Uh, she lived about a mile from the TV station. And it was pretty clear that something had happened. Um, there are reports even of her car key stuck in her door that had been bent, um, reports of a palm print even on the window of her car. 
uh, and that a lot of her belongings were strewn around the uh, parking lot of the uh, complex there. So clearly something had happened. There were also reports of her screaming and a white van in the area that investigators never could find. There were many searches done. There are reports of at least a thousand interviews conducted. Over the years, there have been about two people of interest, but they've never been named a suspect. And there has been no conclusive evidence. It's as if Jody just disappeared. And I hate for that to sound cliche, but really, of all the work that's been done, nothing has come of it. And it still remains quite the mystery. Jody Hoosentrude's former Mason City apartment is home to 20 years of questions. Today, Lord, we come to you and we ask. And now a renewed call for answers. We ask you that you guide our steps. On this anniversary. And for the wisdom and knowledge to know what to do. Volunteers behind findjody.com organized a memorial walk. There's a lot of uh, kind of natural cover for someone yes. who wanted to hide. To symbolize the journey Jody never completed the morning she disappeared. Well, I was a landlord when Jody was abducted. I was manager of the apartments. I will never, ever get over it. Rose Tobin cannot forget the sight of a mysterious car peeling away and now treads with the same heartache as the dozens behind her. It's difficult to talk about Jody because um, it's very much part of our life. Jody's closest cousin. And just brings... There's a piece of you missing. Her college friends and roommates. I'm just like, now I'm shaking seeing that. Like, Got her some yellow flowers here today because she glowed. And her former news director at KIMT, where she never showed up for work 20 years ago today. It's difficult. I wasn't sure I was going to do this. Uh, I probably didn't know till last night. So in the past, this coworker, Amy Coons, has been hesitant to speak about that day, about her last conversation with Jody. What did she tell you about why she decided it was time to go on camera and, and talk about this case? Well, to be fully transparent too, I worked with Amy for several years in my first TV job, oh, back in 2007, eight, nine, somewhere in there, um, at the Rochester NBC affiliate here in Minnesota. And it was something that you knew that Amy carried with her, um, but you never really realized just how much of a burden that was for her. And all these years later, we've stayed in touch and, you know, through social media and different ways that I've talked to her, it was pretty clear she's gone through some really, really rough times, um, especially in the last 10 years or so. And only recently she said she had a very positive experience doing a, an interview, one of her first in years with a national television outlet. And she's also gotten very close with Caroline Lowe, who was um, a CBS reporter here in Minneapolis for many years, who worked on the Jacob Waterling case, as well as Jody's case, and has really just encouraged Amy to, to embrace her trauma and talk about it. I think it sounds really simple, right? But there is a lot of value in finally speaking up and, and talking about these feelings that I know Amy has really kept hidden for so long. This is Jody. This is me. Pictures are a peek into the past. Look at that smile. That for Amy Coons. We were also happy. She tried for a long time to forget. 
A lot of anxiety. Really? Yeah, even after all these years. Rarely yep. does Amy talk about the woman with her in the photos she only just discovered from decades ago. I found these and I felt like I struck gold because Jody's handwriting is on the back. She felt always so terrible that her story is Jody's story, especially folks in TV know that we don't ever want to be the story. We, we are never, you know, we are taught to not be a part of it. And so I think she kept that down, um, hidden for a long time because what happened to Jody is the story. But she recently said, you can't deny that I'm also part of it. And so I think to finally admit that and finally be okay with understanding that how just closely tied she is to this was really a big first step for her. So she's done interviews here and there, especially early on. But I think just finally coming to the realization that, you know, her story is important too. She's done a lot of therapy and she's also working on a memoir. So I think that's, that's also been helpful. So she's come a really long way and I was very, very thankful that she sat down with me to talk about this. It, it certainly wasn't easy and she had a lot of anxiety around it, but I think that's been been really helpful for her to just be a bit more open about it. I wanna tell my story tell Jody's story, which is my story. If I can find a purpose behind all of this and help, even if I just help one person, mission accomplished. Now, 27 years later, is there anything that stands out to her when she thinks back on that last conversation with Jody? When I asked her what what she thinks happened. Um, she does think that it's tied to somebody that Jody knew. My gut says it was somebody she knew, maybe two people she knew. And I think the person thought, if I can't have her, nobody will. Will she ever be found? I don't think so. She also is questioning some of the investigative practices of Mason City Police as well and said that she's putting some of her efforts into into that and doing a bit of investigative work. Um, she's a former reporter. And so I think with some of this newfound confidence, um, she wants to to do some work and, and look into exactly what's happened and if there would ever be a chance to somehow put this case to rest. You know, not only did Amy last talk to Jody, she was the one that went on television to fill in for her that morning. And again, your brain is wired as a TV news journalist to get the job done. You've got to get the news on. And so that I think was a heavy burden for her to carry as well. And then by the noon noon newscast, she's the one reporting the breaking news that police had said Jody had been abducted. So there was a lot of weight there for her to carry. It changed who I am. It has shaped who I have become. How so? For many, many years, I was just really, really afraid of life. And I think by putting some work into this now to see what she can do to contribute to the case and find some answers um, has something, is something positive that's also come out of it. It gives her, I think, some purpose as well as, like I said, talking about her trauma and helping people through whatever kind of trauma they're dealing with, because there's a lot of it right now, 
she kind of said to me, you know, if I can find a purpose behind why all of this happened and I can help somebody else, she very confidently said, mission accomplished. That's a piece of of all the stories that we talk about in this show that I hope doesn't get lost, that the impact of somebody going missing or of losing somebody to violent crime, it's something that affects so many people and it doesn't go away when news coverage around a case slows down. And hearing a story like Amy's, I think makes all of us a little more compassionate and more understanding of the kinds of trauma that anyone around us might be carrying at any given moment. And talking about that, one of the things that we heard Amy say in her conversation with you is that there was this fear that that stuck with her. Can you talk about that? Well, fear is a good word because, you know, I like I said, I've known her for so long and I never even thought about that emotion, which you think would be an easy one. Um, mostly I just thought, you know, she was the last person to talk to her, people in town knew that about her. She was a bit of a local celebrity. Um, So that's kind of what I thought this all centered around. But during our interview, she talked about that word fear and how she was just scared for life. And I thought kind of a light bulb went off and not just for Amy, but for people who lived in that community. Clearly somebody had bad intentions and did something and has never been caught and held accountable for it or punished for it. So there was somebody roaming around that area and and did this to Jody. And so I'm sure people thought, well, who's next or could they do it again? And Amy has talked about not being able to sleep near windows or on a ground floor near doors and just how much she's been sort of paralyzed by that and it really made sense when she explained it. And that's really when she got pretty emotional in the interview is talking about how much it's changed her from the past, but also how it's shaped her future. So a lot of her actions and how she does things have been impacted because of fear. And when you think about it, rightfully so. Investigators say this is still an active investigation, but it's now been 27 years without an answer as to what happened to Jody. And 27 is also the age Jody was when she disappeared. That's now how long those who knew her and loved her have been without her. How do folks in Mason City continue to remember Jody and how did they mark this anniversary? Every year there are um, golf benefits in particular throughout the month of June. Um, Jody was a big golfer, especially on her school team. And then... Um, they had asked the community folks around there to, to turn on their porch lights just to help remember Jody and offer condolences in that way, a pretty visual way. Um, there's a, a Find Jody website and group that still works very hard at trying to get some of those answers from police that maybe some of us haven't been able to, um, and very much try to keep Jody's case and her memory alive. Jennifer Hoff with Care 11 in Minneapolis. Thanks for sharing this story. Thank you for listening and for asking. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. This is where I usually say we're here every day of the week, but as a heads up, we're going to be taking a little bit of a summer break for the month of July. We're just going to be putting out one episode per week. Again, that's just for July. And then we'll be back to having a new episode five days a week in August. In the meantime, if you're looking for something else to listen to, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.